Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Hello and welcome back to Historical True Crime, the podcast where we take a look back at history's darkest crimes and criminals. I'm your host, Lizzie, and today is episode 27. I should probably count, but I think it's episode 27. And we're going back to the 15-1600s and we're going to be in Hungary for this episode. It's a doozy and quite a famous case. So today's episode will be all about the blood countess, Elizabeth Bathory. And just a disclaimer before we start, lots of Hungarian names in this episode. And and although I did spend a lot of time on YouTube listening to the correct pronunciations, I'm bound to make uh, a few mistakes. So just bear with me. Elizabeth Bathory is said to be the most ruthless female serial killer in history. Although with this case, it's impossible to tell where the truth ends and fiction really begins in this horrific tale. She was born in 1560 as a member of the Bathory family, who ruled Transylvania as a virtually independent principality within the Kingdom of Hungary. She was blessed with good looks, fortune, a superb education, and a prestigious social position, which should have set her up for quite the future. But she's said to have been surpassed only by Count Dracula in terms of her notoriety as a legendary vampire. She is suspected of killing what could be over 600 girls inside of her opulent palaces. It's said that she believed that washing in their virginal blood would give her eternal youth, according to folklore. Instead, she was guaranteed a lengthy life of notoriety. The supposed sadism of Bathory has served as the basis for numerous movies, plays, operas, TV shows, and even video games. But what do we really know about Elizabeth Bathory? Well, we do know that Elizabeth Bathory was descended from the affluent Protestant family Bathory, who held property in the Kingdom of Hungary. Her father was Baron George VI Bathory, the brother of Andrew Bathory, the voivode of Transylvania. And all that means is a local ruler or governor, um, especially in the semi-independent areas of Transylvania or Moldova before circa 1700. She was raised by Baroness Anna Bathory, a Transylvanian voivode's daughter. She was also Stephen Bathory's niece, who was also the Prince of Transylvania, Grand Duke of Lithuania, and King of Poland. Elizabeth was raised at a castle after being born on her family estate. So she came from quite the lineage, but inbreeding throughout the generations was also very prevalent in this bloodline. As was typical of such uh, aristocratic unions, her parents were close relations. 
This could have contributed quite significantly to Elizabeth's health issues when she was a young child. She experienced numerous seizures as a child, which may have been due to epilepsy. We don't actually know a lot about Elizabeth's childhood that can be proven, so there is rampant speculation about her youth and the true origins of her evil. According to Donaldson for Sci-Fi Wire, one popular theory holds that she was given a piece of someone's skull or someone's blood to rub on her lips in order to heal her seizures, which kindled her obsessive bloodlust. She could have also been taught witchcraft by her family, introduced to Satan worship, and raised to be vicious, according to other folklore. None of this is supported by any kind of actual evidence. What is certain is that she was raised in opulence and with privileges that the vast majority of Hungarian citizens would never have experienced. When Elizabeth was only 10, Ferenc Nadasti, a nobleman and the descendant of one of the richest families in the area, was betrothed to her, even though he was technically of a lower social station than she would have been. This marriage was definitely arranged for political and financial purposes. Now, when she was 15 and he was 19, they were married. And after their marriage, uh, Nadashti adopted the last name Bathory because she was the one with the higher social standing. Nadashti's residence, his own castle, which was situated at the base of the Carpathian Mountains, was given to Elizabeth as a wedding present. Now, it said before uh, Elizabeth married Nadashti, and remember, she would have only been 15 by the time she got married, she had already given birth to a child out of wedlock, and this was with a gentleman who would have been lower class. Uh, This is kind of a legend, but legend has it, and Nadashti had the lover castrated and devoured by dogs, uh, and the child was then simply hidden from view. Uh, This is not confirmed, but it is, again, part of the legend. Now, Elizabeth was left in charge of managing the extensive estates and overseeing the local inhabitants. Nadezhdi ends up leaving in 1578 to lead the Hungarian army in a military campaign against the Ottoman Empire. And under Elizabeth's direction, everything does seem to be going well at first. But as time goes on, Rumors begin to circulate that Elizabeth is torturing her servants. Nadezhdi will pass away in 1604 at the age of 48 and after 29 years of marriage to Elizabeth. The ailment that ultimately causes his death is unknown, but it appears to have originated around 1601 and manifested as crippling pain in his legs. He never fully recovers after, and in 1603, he was left permanently disabled. The couple did have at least four children together, and Nadezhdi will entrust uh, Gregory Thurzo with his heirs and widow. And remember that name, because it's going to be very important later on. So rumors have been spreading about Elizabeth's um, behavior towards at least her servants for many years. And word of her nasty behavior starts to spread all over. It's claimed that she would take just pure pleasure in killing and tormenting young girls. Now, daughters of the local peasantry served as her servants at first. But later on, girls sent to her by neighborhood uh, gentry households to learn proper behavior also joined that group. 
The allegations that she had killed women from noble families in 1609 began to garner a lot of attention. Despite the fact that there were earlier reports of her murdering peasant women, that apparently just went unnoticed or people simply didn't care. According to Rachel Bledsaw, faculty in the history department at Washington State's Highline College, in an article for National Geographic says, uh, quote, killing serfs and servants who indeed had fewer rights was gauche, but not really illegal for a noble, uh, says Bledsaw, who wrote a thesis on Bathory, and that killing your fellow nobles, even ones of lower rank, was a far more serious problem and one that just could not be ignored. Bathory is said to have started murdering daughters of the lower gentry who had been sent to her by their parents to learn, as I said, proper etiquette and behavior. Some witnesses mentioned relatives who had passed away while they were in Elizabeth's care. Others claimed to have observed signs of torture on deceased bodies, some of whom were buried in graveyards and others who were simply interred in unmarked graves. Matthias, the then king of Hungary, gave his uh, cousin Thurzo, Count Palantine of Hungary, the mandate to start to look into the matter. And remember, Thurzo had been entrusted with Nadezhdi's heirs and his wife, Elizabeth. So now the person entrusted to care for her has to investigate her. In March 1610, Thurzo gave two notaries, Andras and Moses, the task of gathering evidence. They went out and gathered 52 witness statements by October 1610, but by 1611, they had amassed more than 300 statements. They accused the Countess of a variety of horrible offenses. They claimed that Elizabeth abused girls and young women in the most terrible ways, according to records from the time and tales told decades after. Allegedly, she was accused of using hot irons to burn her victims, beat them to death with clubs, put needles under their fingernails, uh, would cover her victims' bodies in ice water and leave them outside to freeze to death in the cold, sewed their lips together, biting off pieces of breast and face flesh, along with like many other horrific descriptions of ways to die. According to witnesses, Bathory's preferred technique of torture would also inv- involve uh, mutilating the bodies and faces of her victims with scissors, She allegedly used the tool to remove their genitalia, hands, and noses. On occasion, she would even use scissors to sever the flesh between the fingers of her victims. Again, according to Donaldson for Sci-Fi Wire, the tale that is most frequently associated with Elizabeth Bathory is the idea that she would take baths in the blood of her victims in order to maintain her youth and beauty. The picture of this is quite powerful and has persisted long beyond the reality of her life and actions. It's also probably untrue. In fact, it took more than a century after her passing before such tales were accepted as part of her lore. It was the writings of a Jesuit academic uh, when the assertions first appeared in print in 1729. Bloodbaths are not ever mentioned in any testimony against her or witness statements that happened during her trial. It appears to have either entirely been made up or was twisted through years of myth and gossip. Thurzo finally accuses Bathory, after his investigation, of killing 80 girls. 
However, there is a witness who claims to have seen a book that Bathory kept herself in which she listed the names of all 650 of her victims. But again, the diary seems to have been nothing more than a myth. Now, Elizabeth and four of her servants are arrested in her home on December 30th, 1610. Even at that time, the validity of the trial itself was questioned. Many witnesses would assert that they had heard about what Bathory was allegedly doing from others, even when they were unable to provide direct testimony. And after lengthy torture sessions, many servants would admit to Elizabeth's horrific deeds. So it's hard to say whether the testimony was indeed accurate because of the hearsay and the torture. But Elizabeth ends up being placed under house arrest because it's determined that a public trial and her execution would have been too scandalous given her significant social rank. At the conclusion of the trial, Elizabeth's suspected accomplices are found guilty of witchcraft and they're executed by being burned at the stake, one of whom, who had even served as a wet nurse for the Countess's children. Elizabeth would spend the remainder of her life at her castle and would pass away there in her sleep on August 21st, 1614, when she was 54 years old. Although her body's place of burial is unknown, it's thought to be deeply buried near the castle's church area. For almost a century after that, aristocrats kept the castle as their home. Today, tourists can take part in guided tours of the notorious location and peruse the Elizabeth Bathory Cruelty Hidden in Lace exhibition at a nearby mansion, where a large wooden monument of the woman rules over the main square. Although Bathory was infamous following the decades after her death, her story doesn't reach a larger audience until 1744, because it's then that a book is released on Hungary's history by Jesuit priest, uh, and it includes an extraordinary narrative about Elizabeth that serves as the main inspiration for the Countess's continuing fame up until present day. The case of Elizabeth Bathory continues to be a topic of intense discussion and historical investigation. Some contend that she was actually the victim of a political plot to seize control of her property, while others have suggested that the Lutheran Church may have targeted her due to her Calvinist beliefs. According to National Geographic, the story starts to be contested around the 1980s, and it's then that new details about Bathory's life are revealed in a book written in 1982 by the Slovak archivist Josef Kozis, which various researchers have since used as proof of a plot against her. There are other historians that are more suspect in their thinking, They claim that Bathory's misdeeds were probably inflated to harm her reputation, a plot by family members and the Habsburgs, a dynasty that at the time governed a large portion of Europe, including Western Hungary and Austria. King Matthias II benefited from Bathory's demise, since he himself owed her a sizable amount of money. She could have been seen by the monarch as a political threat, who might aid her cousin, Gabriel Bathory, in his attempts to overthrow Matthias's rule in Western Hungary. In addition, Elizabeth would have been open to accusations of witchcraft, given that she was a widow managing a sizable estate, and during this time it was usual in Central Europe to scapegoat widows and blame them for natural deaths. 
According to some historians, the conflicting but incriminating testimony from the witnesses was likely given under duress, and the monarch demanded the death punishment before the Bathory's family could speak up on her behalf. And as the fact that the monarch could seize her estate if she received the death penalty suggests that this could have been politically motivated, even though the king was eventually convinced to simply place Elizabeth on house arrest. The countess's confinement benefited those close to her as well as her competitors. After Bathory was imprisoned, one of her daughters stole treasures directly from her estate, and her son-in-laws were eager to take advantage of the opportunity to inherit from her before she passed away. The best case scenario is that Bathory mistreated her staff, but not to the degree that she was accused of during her trial. And the worst case, she was simply pure evil, who ended up murdering hundreds of young girls. Even though only one of those stories is accurate, both of them make for interesting tales. Since Elizabeth was never granted an official trial, no official records of the case actually exist. It's impossible to know the facts of her narrative. Neither Elizabeth's purported victim list, nor any other crucial papers that would have revealed the truth have ever been located. Overall, it's difficult to declare either Bathory's innocence or her absolute guilt. However, unless new information surfaces to totally clear her of the charges, popular culture and folklore will unavoidably assure that she is forever known as the Blood Countess and one of history's most ruthless serial killers. The tale of Elizabeth Bathory is still alive and well in contemporary popular culture. She is a popular character in numerous vampire books and even serves as the main antagonist in one of the Dracula sequels that was created by Bram Stoker's great-grandnephew. She's mentioned in video games, American Horror Story, DC Comics, The Vampire Hunter Magna, and numerous metal songs. Her infamy truly lives on to today. And that brings us to the end of the life and crimes of the Blood Countess, Elizabeth Bathory. If you've enjoyed this episode, please remember to review, rate, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback for us or a case suggestion, you can find us on Instagram at Historical True Crime Pod, or you can reach us by email at Historical True Crime Pod at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week for another dark and notorious case from history. We'll see you then.